everyone. Welcome to the latest Fact Checker podcast. My name is Marissa Payne. I'm the Cedar Rapids government reporter. I'm Erin Jordan. I cover investigations for the Gazette. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm the Gazette's healthcare reporter. And I'm John Steppe, and I'm the Gazette's business reporter. Today, we're taking a look at a September 23rd Facebook post from Ashley Hinson, the Republican candidate in Iowa's first congressional district race um, against Democratic incumbent Abby Finkenauer. So in this Facebook post, Representative Hinson shared her experience doing a ride-along with a Cedar Rapids police sergeant the prior afternoon, which would have been September 22nd. Hinson says that during the ride, we encountered everything from a vehicle running a stop sign, a mental health and wellness check, and a man who became violent and later was deemed as an illegal immigrant. She said, it was eye-opening for me to see this firsthand that right here in our own backyards, an illegal immigrant was jeopardizing the safety of our officers in our community. And then in, in the post, Hinson also goes on to talk about Finkenauer's voting record on Iowa legislation pertaining to local government's enforcement of federal immigration law. Hinson says, in the legislature, I voted against sanctuary cities because I want to protect our communities. Congresswoman Finkenauer voted for sanctuary cities in the Iowa House. That is unacceptable to me and a clear difference in this race. I will never be too politically correct to do the right thing to keep our kids and our communities safe. So... First, I I looked at the claims about what Hinson witnessed on this ride-along and broke that down into the three parts to look at the vehicle running a stop sign, mental health and wellness check, and the man who became violent and later was found to be an undocumented immigrant. So I requested the Cedar Rapids Police Department calls for service from Hinson's September 22nd ride-along to verify each of those incidents, and the public safety spokesperson, Greg Bulow, identified Police Sergeant Randy Reck as the officer that Hinson rode along with that day. So first, uh, the claim that Hinson witnessed a vehicle running a stop sign. The records show in the calls for service that there was a traffic stop on the 2nd Avenue bridge, which Bulow confirmed was initiated after a stop sign violation. For the second claim that Hinson witnessed a mental health and wellness check, Sergeant Reck responded to a call on C Street Southwest after an individual called with concerns about a male subject who was inside another apartment, barking and yelling at himself and slamming the door and kicking walls. Uh, Bielo confirmed this call was a mental health crisis incident. So, so far, those two incidents do check out. And then finally, this one has a little more, there's a lot to this one. So, um, Finally, Hinson describes witnessing a man who became violent and later was deemed as an illegal immigrant, according to the male subject's boss, and this is from Greg Bulow, a roofing employee refused to work and would not leave the hotel where the contractors were staying. Hotel staff warned this individual for trespassing as he was no longer allowed to stay at the hotel. Uh, When officers responded to this call, um, which was the third call that day, that police had responded to um, that Hinson was witnessing. Um, Bulow said hotel staff indicated the individual had already been warned for criminal trespassing, so they wanted him charged at that point. And Bulow says, at this point, when officers attempted to take the individual into custody, he started to fight with the officers. Offer- officers deployed a taser as he continued to resist. Uh, court records show that this individual was arrested for criminal trespass and interference with official acts. Um, after this physical altercation with officers. And um, Bulow said that he was later transported to the Lynn County Jail, and Immigration and Customs Enforcement placed a hold on him as he was an undocumented individual. Um, 
So all three of those incidents do check out that on this ride along with Sergeant Wreck, Ashley Henson did witness all three of those things, the stop sign violation, the mental health check, and the incident with the undocumented individual, uh, individual becoming uh, physical with the police officers. Um, I, I did note in, in my grade of her claim that she described um, the incident with the undocumented individual using the idiom that this is happening in our own backyards. And, um, you know, it's somewhat exaggerated language, um, at least I rated it as such. And, you know, given that this took place in a commercial rather than a residential area, um, though it does accurately imply that, you know, this is happening in the community. So um, I gave that claim an A. Um, and then next we took aim, um, or we looked at the second part of the post examining her claim um, on Finkenauer's votes on sanctuary cities. And I reached out to the Henson campaign and they tied the claim that um, this vote they tied this to the vote on Senate file 481, which is a 2018 bill in the Iowa legislature um, that would pull state funding from local governments that do not cooperate with enforcement of federal immig immigration law and um, that do not comply with federal immigration detainer requests for people in custody. Um, so that, that bill prohibits local governments from discouraging local law enforcement from enforcing federal immigration law. Um, and according to voting records, it is true that Finkenauer, then a state representative serving along with Hinson at the time, uh, she voted against the bill and Hinson voted in favor of the legislation, which Governor Kim Reynolds signed into law in April. And that took effect um, like the summer of that year. Um, criticizing Finkenauer's vote, Hinson said that she will never be too politically correct to do the right thing to keep our kids and our communities safe. Um, See, initially, I've heard back from the Henson campaign now, and um, haven't had a chance to thoroughly look at the evidence they've provided. Um, but basically, I asked the campaign to support the position that a vote against sanctuary cities keeps communities safe. And um, they cited a DHS inspector general report um, looking at the issues of enforcement there. Um, so that might change my grade later once I get a chance to, you know, check out both that report and, um, you know, weigh that against other evidence that's out there and data. Um, but yeah, so I, I did, um, in the meantime, also look at a 2019 post from the National Republican Congressional Committee um, that similarly took aim at Finkenauer's vote on this bill that said it would protect criminal illegal aliens and allow them to stay in Iowa. And um, kind of at the core of this debate is the immigration detainers, which are requests from federal agents for local authorities to continue um, holding in, in jail uh, potential undocumented immigrants who otherwise might have satisfied requirements to be released from jail. Um, so this way, federal authorities can have more time to investigate and potentially pick up an undocumented immigrant from local facilities. Um, I found a report that was released in April by the Cato Institute, which is a libertarian think tank, um, and available data there shows that immigrants are uh, not necessarily jailed at higher rates than native-born residents, and that includes undocumented immigrants. Um, so they used an analysis um, from a survey that, um, that used 2010 census data 
and the incarceration rate for undocumented immigrants ages 18 to 54 is lower than the incarceration rate for native-born Americans. Um, so the rate for undocumented immigrants in this report is 877 per 100,000 residents, while the rate for native-born Americans is 1,477 per 100,000 residents. Um, so Hinton is correct on Finkenauer's voting record on this legislation uh, to revoke funding from uh, sanctuary cities, but the available data casts some doubt on the implication that um, voting for the bill promotes safety. And again, this once I check out the DHS Inspector General report, I might decide to change that grade later. Um, but for now, um, given that the evidence I found shows that undocumented immigrants make up a lower portion of incarcerated people um, than native-born residents. Uh, I went ahead and gave that claim a B. Um, so it's definitely not the first time that Abby Finkenauer's, you know, kind of come under fire from Republicans for her vote on Senate File 481. Um, the fact checker did a, a similar check um, with perhaps some stronger language from um, then incumbent Republican uh, Rod Blum's campaign, um, and we we gave that claim a D. Um, he'd said, was it Abby Finkenauer's heart that told her to put criminal illegal aliens back on Iowa streets? Um, so ultimately, um, Henson gave an accurate summary of the incidents that she witnessed in her September 22nd ride along with the Cedar Rapids police sergeant, um, but her suggestion that communities are safer because of her, um, her vote against the 2018 bill targeting sanctuary cities, um, you know, the, the data casts some doubt on that, um, but is, overall her claims are solid. So I gave the post a B, but um, I'd like to hear your guys' feedback on that. And um, I mean, I'd be open to bumping up the grade depending on what I'm, you know, what I find out later as I check out the data that was provided. Good job, Marissa. I I think this was a really good claim to check because it's um it, it's something that happened just recently. It's it's in a way it's hyper local, but it's also addressing some of these larger issues. Um, one one point that I was thinking about, and this is um, no it doesn't have to do with the grades, but I think maybe we should just uh, the with the mental health check. I think we should just confirm in our piece that there was a mental health check, not exactly say what street it happened on or what the behavior was, just because, um, you know, someone reading it could, could possibly know who that person was. Yeah. Does that, I don't know if the other people feel like that's something we should do or. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think just confirming that it happened is, is well, is good enough. And to kind of continue um, on that that first half of the claim, um, I know you mentioned the idiom, um, you know, in your own backyards. I, I'm kind of wondering if that should be included in the check or not. Um, you know, it is kind of just a, a turn of phrase, and I'm not sure bringing that up really kind of changes the grade in any way. Um, but I'm curious what other people's thoughts were. I thought that maybe it wasn't necessary to really mention that just because we sort of understand that when Hansen says in your own backyard, she, she's sort of talking about this is happening in the community. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that kind of turn of phrase needs to have more weight than maybe I'm putting on it? 
I mean, I, I personally wrestled with that myself. I was like, well, you know, is it, does it warrant nitpicking over this idiom or, you know, should I, should that not be included? So yeah, I appreciate your feedback on that. Yeah, I agree with Michaela. I think that, I mean, it's a common enough thing that people kind of just associate in general with the community that, I mean, if I heard in my own backyard, I wouldn't necessarily think it's, I mean, has to be necessarily a residential area, but just somewhere kind of in my community. And Marissa didn't downgrade for that. She just clarified that, you know, this wasn't residential, just reminding people of the location in a commercial area. Um, but so I'd be okay if it stays or goes. Yeah, that had just been my thinking. I didn't know, um, like, since it do really doesn't affect the grade, it probably doesn't matter, ultimately, whether it is still included in the written portion of the check. Um, I just was, you know, that was just the thing that I had been thinking about as I had been reading through this. Yeah, and maybe, you know, we, maybe we'll need that inch or so for for other other co content. You know, maybe that's where you have some wiggle room to cut there if you if you need it, Marissa. Yeah, that's a good point. One other thing I wanted to mention is um, we've, you know, Fact Checker has evolved a lot over the years, um, and sometimes we have moments where we're kind of like, well, who are we using for sourcing and that kind of thing? And I was wanting to know that report by the Cato Institute, um, which is a libertarian think tank, as you point out, um, I it sounds like they're using census data, which is obviously solid to kind of come up with an incarceration rate uh, per different, you know, group. And, but I wonder is, is the Cato Institute the only group doing that? Or, and if so, maybe we could say in the piece, you know, even though the Cato Institute is, has this bias, um, you know, they're using this really reputable data and their process is, you know, just, I wonder if there's a need to kind of explain why we're citing the Cato Institute. Yeah, and yeah, I struggled because um, I don't know it's already difficult to find um, you know data on undocumented immigrants, and then um, ideally, I'd like to find more data on like violent crimes committed by undocumented immigrants um, to kind of zero in on like you know some sometimes an undocumented immigrant will be incarcerated facing charges for um, unlawful presence in the U.S. versus, like, you know, committing a violent crime. So, yeah, I'll continue my quest for data and see whether um, the Cato Institute is the most relevant data set I can find or, you know, if, um, if after I continue looking into it, um, if I decide to stick with it, then further explaining why we're, why we're using them. One of the things that might be an option um, is the Bureau of Justice Statistics. Um, and I was just looking, because just as we're talking, I'm just kind of thinking of this. Um, it says in 2019, they did a study on immigration, citizenship, and the federal justice system. It's the first time they've described the citizenship of suspects arrested and prosecuted for federal offenses. Um, so that might be some data looking about, it says, um, based on 
fiscal years. So in 1998, 63% of all federal arrests were of U.S. citizens. In 2018, 64% of all federal arrests were of non-U.S. citizens. I think there might be some data here. I'll send you the link to that, Marissa. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I wondered if that would be an inherent challenge sort of with fact-checking um, like this particular data set, because I know this has sort of been become a partisan issue. So it makes sense that partisan think tanks are really maybe the ones kind of taking a look at the data or maybe putting their data out further than, than a lot of other nonpartisan places. But a way like libertarian is always kind of, I always, I struggle a little bit sometimes to understand all the different points that libertarians advocate for. So I guess in this case, um, you know, the angle perhaps would be that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what angle they'd be coming at necessarily. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, aren't they... Sorry, I was just going to say, aren't they for, or they're not for, they're against government overreach and sort of limiting that. So I wonder in this case, if it's, you know, federal officials asking local officials to continue to house these individuals, if that's something they perceive as sort of an overreach and maybe their case they're making is that it's not necessary. Yeah. That was the, I mean, I was not sure about that as well, where there are some things where it's a little more, okay, it's clear that, I mean, because of this, they're biased towards this side of the issue. But I was trying to figure out that as well. That was my best guess there was that, okay, I mean, they don't want the overreach there, but it's not as clear cut as other things. Well, and maybe just the individual liberties of folks, whether they're documented or not i don't know yeah <laughs> you know but i feel like this would be a good question for adam sullivan maybe not to include in the fact <laughs> check but maybe he could help us figure out what this means special guest adam special sullivan. guest please explain <laughs> <laughs> um if it's okay to to kind of change uh topics a little bit so i had thoughts um regarding Finkenauer's vote um for for the sanctuary cities senate file 41 um in the iowa legislator i i wondered um you know i i wondered to if this vote you know she she voted against the bill whether this was a vote in favor of sanctuary cities or whether this was just a vote against you know defunding local municipalities for this particular move um so I wondered, do we know if she has other voting records that maybe show whether she is in support of sanctuary cities or if she's made public statements about this kind of thing? I know this is something that she's commonly attacked for. So I'm curious if she's responded to these allegations in any way. And if that's something we could kind of help clarify whether this vote was in favor of sanctuary cities or whether it was just, you know, a vote along party lines. Yeah, I'm certain. I mean, I doubt that Finkenauer went out on her own with this. I'm guessing she voted with the majority of her party. Yeah. Um, and if the cities in Iowa that are that, you know, I, I that have some support for sanctuary, um, you know, you wouldn't want to defund some of these large cities, perhaps, you know, so. 
Right. Because Iowa City is one, I know, and that um I know that's a huge voting block when it comes to to that sort of thing. Not necessarily in her district, um, but I know places like that certainly play a role in that. Yeah, then there was like at the time that the bill was passed, there was the debate over, well, are there really actually any sanctuary cities in Iowa? So like what is this legislation uh truly taking aim at? Um, was kind of, you know, some of the discussion among critics of the bill. Um, and I mean, Iowa City had passed, um, you know, other policies and Johnson County Board of Supervisors, um, you know, making their stance clear on uh, using local resources to enforce federal immigration law. Um, although Iowa City ultimately said that it, it still wasn't calling itself a sanctuary city. Um that's what I wondered. I, I just didn't think that there were any cities. I mean, it, it comes down to what their actions are, but I, I think that loaded phrase, I don't know that very many cities in Iowa are calling themselves that. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe there's something more to be said in the fact check about kind of the nuances of even, you know, calling these cities sanctuary cities, at least in Iowa, where there's, there's not really any city clearly billing itself as a sanctuary city. And you might yeah, I think be, able it'd be to... good. Go ahead, John. Oh, thanks. I think it'd be good to clarify what exactly a sanctuary city is, because I think a lot of people might have heard that term in passing without necessarily being given a thorough explanation of what exactly it is and how that's different between main different cities with different kind of definitions of that. And Marissa does talk about that where she's talking about like the detainers, you know, that if that's, that's what it comes down to in lots of cases is these detainers. Um, Oh, now I see that. But, but yeah, I mean, I think maybe even just like one sentence or something, just kind of saying how it's defined or and if the definition has changed and <clears throat> you know, that kind of thing might be good. Yeah. And maybe it could be fairly simple to kind of um, just look at that legislation a little bit more and look at um, who voted for it. And if there were stories at the time indicating why Finknauer or others um, voted for it or against it. I'm trying to remember what the, uh, which side she was on or which side was uh, the yes vote or the no vote. But um, you know, cause that might show why the people in her party were supporting it, whether there were other issues in the bill besides just the designation as a sanctuary city or whether it had to do with funding or things like that. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I thought that this, you know, in reading your check, I was really, um, I was finding myself just uh, impressed, I guess, that Hinson had done this ride along and was tying these issues into this. And, and uh, you know, I think it's a pretty effective, uh, you know, jab on Facebook, whether people agree with it or not, or whether, you know, that sort of thing. But it's interesting that, uh, you know, that she kind of did used a ride along to connect with this issue that she wanted to, um, 
get at Finkenauer at. And I guess that for her sake, you know, the, uh, that the, that the actual calls for service they had that day, that it supported a point she wanted to make, but Mm -hmm. you know, not to say that she went into it with that goal. But it is really effective, too. That is a really good point. How, um, you know, kind of her last point, how the violent individual or a person who had a physical altercation with police ended up being, um, you know, someone who was undocumented. I thought that was kind of a really effective way to sort of, you know, she's not just, you know, spouting the same points that others in the Republican Party are that she sort of had. She was trying to draw off this lived experience, I guess, or, or try to bring it closer to, to voters in Cedar Rapids. Right. And I think that's also a smart move, too, considering that, I mean, there's been a lot of negative attack ads in this race, how this is kind of a different approach. I mean, I think everyone that has watched, I mean, an hour or so of TV has seen at least a couple ads that, I mean, having something a little different, I mean, can be helpful. Mm-hmm. It's a hyper-local, I mean, attack ad, essentially. Yeah, yeah, still very much an attack ad, which has sort of been um, the play during this election cycle. Yeah. Well, Marissa, do you feel like uh, the um, feedback here is is doable with just adding some uh, slight revisions to get uh, for this week? Yeah, I think it's doable. Okay. Yeah. And we can uh, touch base again to see if, if this report that you're going to be digging through, Marissa, really changes the grade or if it really kind of changes um, changes anything big in the fact checker. Um, but as of, we ha- as of now, what we have now, um, I do agree with the grade. So you'll have to let us know if, if what you find out really changes that grade or, or changes the context at all. I also agree with the grade overall. I agree as well. Cool. Yeah, and I will keep you guys posted once I take a look at that report that was provided. John, before we wrap up, do you want to um, just uh, let our listeners know the about the claim that you're going to be looking at for next week? Yes, I'm actually pulling that up on my computer right now. Okay. I think this one is one in the in our Senate race between Joni Ernst and Teresa Greenfield. Yeah, so it's an ad that the um, DSCC um, put out in the race, and I believe this is the one that was a relatively short ad, but was saying that um, basically this is kind of the abbreviated version um, without it being in front of me, but that Joni Ernst is working for special interests instead of for islands. So I will take a look at that next week. Yeah, that sounds good. And I think you, when you initially shared this with the team, you were saying it was like a six second ad. So I was curious, like, was it on the radio or, you know, I didn't know there was, (laughs) it came up on Facebook. So I don't think I had seen a six second ad before, but I guess that's a way of quickly making your point. Right. It's a lot cheaper than 30 seconds or a minute. Yes. So it's fewer claims to check. So um, it may be a quicker fact checker than usual, but um, it'll be interesting to see what we get from that. Yeah. 
Well, and with just a few weeks left until the general election, um, we may, you know, find opportunities to do more than one check a week if we have the capacity. So just ask again for our our listeners to, um, if you hear or see any claims that you think need to be checked, just e- email them to factchecker at thegazette.com. All right, so that's a wrap on this fact check. Again, my name is Marissa Payne. I'm Erin Jordan. I'm Michaela Ram. And I'm John Steppy. This podcast is produced by Stephen Colbert. Our piece is edited by Craig Jamolis, and our music is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. Until next time, fact check you later. Nice job. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.